Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. Oh boy, do ya. Interesting topic tonight, Jesse. Yes, what do it, you think? <laughs> yes, it is. Take two. Uh, yeah, no, definitely an interesting topic, uh, and we, we, we can kind of segue it perfectly from our, uh, our last topic of forgiveness and cancel culture. Uh, they tie right in, but we'll we'll tie that yes, later. Yes, they do. Let's not tie it together quite so no, soon. We'll, we'll tie that later. We will have nothing to talk about. We'll be all done. Let's <laughs> close it out, and everyone will be thankful. <laughs> the, pe- the peasants shall rejoice. Yay. And there was much rejoicing. Um, yeah, so the title of episode 19 is Behavior Isn't Identity. We are just diving deep into... We are Jordan Peterson. Together? To get both of well, it has to be both of us. Neither one of us. He's we. Asc- he's ascended to some type of strange. <laughs> he requires ethereal. two groupers for one Peterson. <laughs> he does, uh, but we are going to have way more Bible, so that's a plus. Yeah, I was going to say he's close. <clears throat> pray for him. He's I feel like definitely he's so pray close. For Jordan he's knocking on the door. Uh, anyway. At least he doesn't try to do the whole thing where he <clears throat> grabs all of the morality from God. But then says, God doesn't exist. Yeah, at least he doesn't do that. Yeah, at least he's like, hey, this whole Bible's got something going on here that makes a lot of sense. You guys should uh, you guys should read it. Yeah. Yeah. In his comedy uh, voice. But there's there's a lot we, we have to <clears throat> do here. We have to clean our rooms and make our beds. <laughs> Always pet the dog. <laughs> what? That's not in the book. Cat? That's not a pet some animal. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, you can't make me, you can't compel me to say something. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I just, <laughs> Dude that's is amazing. Kermit the Frog. That's, that is really funny. Anyway, uh, why don't you lead us off into uh, how, how we got on this topic here? All right. Well, uh, again, I'll, I'll just mention this again, because it's just one of my favorite light news roundups. The uh, the briefing from Albert Moeller's wonderful podcast uh, is a, a news roundup, not always of, of stories you've heard of, uh, but of stories that have an impact with a, a biblical worldview, with the Christian worldview. Um, and he, and uh, Albert Moeller mentioned in his uh, podcast from March 31st, so this would have been what, third? Wednesday, last Wednesday. Uh, a lawsuit that's going on um, on the national level. Uh, so the so the lawsuit is basically uh, challenging the right of the Department of Education to grant religious exemptions to Christian institutions when it comes to what the government would otherwise declare to be discrimination on the basis of sex or sexual orientation, sexual behavior, or marital status. So that's a lot of words to say this. <clears throat> the organization is suing the Department of Education. Uh, for allowing um, the majority of which are, are, are Christian organizations, Christian universities, Christian colleges and schools uh, to have um, any type of behavior code that would be uh, dictated by um, the, Christian, the, the religious organization based upon Christian principles. So particularly as it would come to... Um, the sexual orientation or sexual behavior. Basically, they're taking um, the Civil Rights Act and Title IX, tying them together, and saying that uh, the Department of Education can't grant these organizations that religious freedom to have in it what would be a code of conduct based upon Christian standards. That's basically the the sum up. is a is a very brief sum up because you're talking about a a massive legal a legal brief being filed um in this case so that's that's very few words when they use a great many words but that is the the reality of the the court the case they're bringing what they're trying to basically do is to force all all christian organizations to have to accept their dogma and this is this is a i'm doing a a brief analysis light analysis here they're basically forcing the christian organizations to to accept their dogma while rejecting the christian's dogma that's basically what's happening. Here. Right, yeah. So, making Christians not Christians anymore. <laughs> making Christians not Christians anymore. Oh, no. 
the motto of secularism. <laughs> oh my gosh, we gotta One make, we gotta make a, a hat. Now we have to make a hat, red hat, make it Christmas on Christmas again. On the back, it's just secularism. <laughs> oh man, I think feel like that would have to be a white hat with red letters. It'd be like the opposite. The opposite. Well, I'm not gonna make that anyway. But it was a funny thought. <laughs> so, so yes, this would be a bad lawsuit, is what we're trying to say, right? Yeah, this is attacking religious, This is completely attacking religious freedom, straight up, um, and trying to make it sound as if a religious organization um, is discriminating when it's actually not simply not allowing certain conduct that is contrary to that religious organization's uh, core tenets. Right. Um, that's that's what this lawsuit is about. Um, now. Just on a, on a, on the bold face of it, um, you have students having come together, <clears throat> students that are falling into what would be uh, those that are are feel they're being discriminated against. The majority of which are around sexual orientation and sexual behavior. Um, however, I would point out that these students are not being discriminated against, as most of them were, and and the phrase is used, students of said organizations. Mind blown. If you're a student of the college, then they are not discriminating against you. Huh. Interesting. It's almost as if they're saying, hey, you can come be a student here. So the question is, what are they discriminating against? They're discriminating against having code of conduct. They're discriminating against by having behavioral standards. That's where they feel the discrimination is coming into. Mm. But you have to note right away, these are students. If you're a student... You're not being discriminated against because they're not saying you can't be a student unless you do these things. They violate our code of conduct. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down here. So how does this how does this come into our topic of behavior and identity? What are we what are we marrying the distinctions here? Let me marry the the in paragraph 502 of the document filed. Uh, specifically, this is in regards to civil, the Civil Rights Act and Title IX. It makes this very succinct, very short statement, and I think it's probably the most important thing to, that, that could be made about this entire uh, suit. The statement is this. The law does not recognize an identity-conduct distinction. What they are, the, the case they are making is the law... This is, this is what the case they're trying to make. This is not actually what they're saying the law does say. They're saying, this is not what the law actually says. This is what they're saying the law says. All right? They then, have to, they then bear the burden to have to prove this. They're saying that the law does not recognize an identity versus conduct distinction. They're saying that identity is conduct. That's the, the claim... Uh, the organization on behalf of some students is making. Identity is conduct. <clears throat> so, for instance, if you believe that you're, in, in this particular instance, if you believe that your identity as is as one of a homosexual, right? then you're saying that your conduct as a, you, your conduct then flows from your identity as a homosexual, and you can't separate out and say that I can't perform or can't do certain things because that is who I am? Is, is that that's the case there? That's what they're saying. What they do, right, is who they are. Right. Well, God help us. Yes and amen. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever going to disagree with that. So we have, so we have in this, grabbing this cultural moment here, with this particular lawsuit, we have a much larger discussion because this is not simply a lawsuit. This is a it's a pervasive idea in our culture. Mm. But the problem is this is this flies in the face of what we know a from a Christian worldview to be true, and that is summed up in what is a very unnuanced and probably uh, it's almost like if as phrases go, it's a crass way of saying this. But the age-old saying of hate the sin, love the sinner is, is what this flies in the face of. They're saying there's an inability for you to separate out a, the sin from the sinner. That there's, there, there's no way 
right, for a person to have any identity other than their their actions. Right. And so the, the Christian organizations do not have the ability to hate the behavior but love the person. Because it's the same. Because the person and their behavior are the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I can see many problems where you would marry this up with a biblical worldview. And the beautiful thing is, I know this because we have many scriptures to get into. Uh, do you want to do your Do you want to do your uh, summary summary here, or were you saving that for later? No, no. I think the summary is fine. This is a good way to kind of summarize where we're going here and what we're trying to pull on. So, generally speaking, if identity is to be found only in behavior, then there's very little hope for us, right? A person who has changed could be seen simply as the sum of their past mistakes. Or maybe a person who is presently just morally broken, right? A, a, a kind of reprehensible person could be remembered solely for one great accomplishment. Rather, what we consistently teach is that you should take the whole of a person, right? Um, and, and you have to take that whole of a person in the context, and as you do that, you can. It, it's it, it makes that the thing that you you always point out quite accurately that two things can be true at once. That a person can both have done something great and also have been uh, a morally broken person, right? Or that a person could have done, could have been a morally broken person, but changed dramatically, mm-hmm. right, to become someone they were not before, right, right. And in doing that what we want to do is get to the fact that there's a much more eternal idea and that eternal idea is found in identity through God, his image and his grace. Right. Because one of the things that this lawsuit attacks is not just the rights, whether or not a, a, a Christian college or a Catholic university or a Mormon university or a seventh day Adventist university. Yes. No one was safe in this lawsuit, by the way, what, whether any of these organizations have the right to have a university that bears their principles and their standards as, as codes of conduct, what they're actually attacking is the reality that in Christ, he gives us an identity mm-hmm. that is not what our identity was. Right. And by attacking that, they're trying to destroy, which they would probably gladly desire to do, the biblical worldview. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sobering... It's, it flies in the face of autonomy, right? So the Christian would believe that God is the one who bestows identities upon us, <clears throat> that, that we, we get our identity from him. But, but culture, and, and a culture that so idolizes autonomy, wants to be able to decide who they are. But the reality, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but the reality is, is that scripture has very clear identities in which all people live in. Um, and that, that, it kind of just is what it is, you know? So anyway, but, um, the first, the first passage that we have here is from the book of beginnings, which would be Genesis. Oh, before you get there, I just want to start another way way this ties in is that we just celebrated Easter, which means we celebrated good Friday and Easter, which means we celebrated the key point of, of the Christian world, Right. right? The key date, right? That we look back to. The that, thing that Passover long ago that led the man God Christ Himself, right, to the cross and to resurrection from the dead. So, the reality of of this relatively trite, and as I said, perhaps if you're going to look at it from a Christian worldview, slightly crass because it it tries to say a lot in very few words of this whole hating the sin, loving the sinners. The cross is actually the sum of that. It's the it is the thing that that equals. The cross is God taking on suffering so that he can love sinners right. and can hate sin by actually atoning for it. Right. Sin was, sin was judged and grace was given all, all in the same, all at the same time. Absolutely. It, it, so beautiful. Now, please continue. I apologize. <laughs> so, yes. So, when we look to scripture... Um, regarding uh, human identity, who we are, uh, which is one of the main questions of all of humanity, is who am I? Who are we? What is my identity? Um, Genesis 127 gives us that very initial picture of identity. 
uh, which says, as many know, to be. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting facial cues over here, and I, I don't know what they mean. Um, Genesis 127 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So from the very beginning, we have an identity, an image that we are made in, and that is the image of God himself. Uh, in his own likeness, we were made. Um, now, there's, there's, there's a lot wrapped into that that we're not going to be able to, to get into, but um, that's, that's the starting point. That's where we have to begin. Uh, we don't get to pick our identity. When God, as the creator, created us, he, get to, he got to choose our identity, and that identity was found in him. This is why, from the Christian worldview, every life has dignity, value, worth, because it extends from the image of God. Correct. This is why Christians are so anti-abortion, by the way. Uh, this is, it's because we see life as actually meaningful. Yes. All life. All human life. You want a tired argument? You're only pro-birth. Oh you know what? Gosh. Give me a chance to adopt the babies. How about you stop killing them first? Let's oh go ahead and gosh. see if we can adopt them. All right. We already did that. All right. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. Yeah, Look, this is what happens. Now I'm going to say curse words, and it's going to get oh all downhill from there. Ain't no more cussing on you. No more cussing here. So, but only a few chapters later in Genesis, right, we have, we have the fall. The fall of man. And sin taints everything including who we are um and there's there's a lot of scriptures that speak that speak into this too um so let's see here where do we want to go it's funny because the first thing it taints is the ability for man to look at man we can't look at each other the same way anymore mm -hmm. adam and eve can't see each other the way they had before right because the image the 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 imago day had been corrupted right and and scripture scriptures bear that out. So I'm looking at Romans five. If you look at Romans five verses six through eleven, there's there's some words that I wanted to highlight because that's that is our that is this this is now our identity. So it says while we were still helpless, there's there's an identity thing. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's another one. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that, and then here's another identifier. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved from through him from wrath? For while we were enemies, identifier. we would reconcile to God through the death of his son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So here we have, we were helpless, we were ungodly, we are sinners, we are enemies of God. Post-fall, that is now a part of our corrupted identity. Um, and, and it needs to be fixed. Amen. The, the, it actually, and that, the word that you would, using that passage to say is what it needs to be it needs to be reconciled back to god yes so that we might go from helpless enemy sinners against righteousness into the righteousness of god we would right. have to be reconciled that's another accounting term right right you to reconcile the books you have to bring them back right and account for those things problem is in our state of helplessness in our state of being a sinner and of being an enemy of God, we we can't reconcile it. We we don't have that ability right. to reconcile it. One of my one of my favorite pictures that um that my when Hannah and I went through uh, marriage counseling with Winston Smith over at CCEF, one of the one of the best pictures of the helplessness that we are prior to salvation. Uh, I think he writes about it in his book uh, Marriage Matters. Marriage Matters. Um, he says that we are like a caterpillar surrounded by a ring of fire. There is nothing that that caterpillar can do 
to get out of that ring of fire. It is pure and utterly helpless. There is no salvation for the caterpillar that the caterpillar can do on his own. Yeah, the caterpillar needs outside intervention to either remove the fire or the caterpillar from the fire. Right. And, and you know, our, our, our tainted identity as sinners is not, is not just a neutral sense of bad. It's an active sense of bad against God, and we see that in the word enemies. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And, and while we were enemies is when Christ died for us. That love is just un- unfathomable. Yeah, so here's the realization from this passage. One, no one comes to God uh, because of something they have done or realized. It's not, it's not possible. Right. Um, we, we lack that ability and understanding. We don't come to God because of what we have done. That's that's out off the table, and so when it, when you tie it back to the way this this whole idea of thinking about identity is behavior, behavior and conduct, our identity is conduct. What we see here is is if that were to be the case, our identity is this, and because we are and were helpless, our we don't have the ability to help ourselves in this identity. Right. So the reason a, a college might have a code of conduct especially a christian college having a more having a a traditionally christian code of conduct would be because they recognize these things as the things that cause us to be enemies of god they're the things that we do that set us up against what he has made because they set us up against what he has made those things should be conduct we avoid correct because we don't want that to be associated with us. At the same time, it is when God sees us as enemies that he reconciles us. So he made us, we, we, we were created in his image, and then we perverted the image. Yep. Which caused us to be helpless. Yep. And, and this, this concept of identity... The biblical concept of identity is far deeper reaching than any concept of identity that culture can come up with. Because when you look at your identity, at least in this case with the, the lawsuit, when you look at um, your identity, the sum of your being by your sexuality, that's such a surface level thing compared to being helpless before an almighty God. It is so superficial. You might think that it penetrates who you are. You might think that it is who who you are, the sum total of your being. But you are completely misjudging how far you how far away from God you actually are. Um, it is it is a far deeper and richer understanding of identity that the scripture that the scripture lays out for us um, in in laying out our identity as, as the Imago Dei, as, as corrupted, tainted beings since the fall. Um, another passage, I'm kind of going backwards here, um, but another passage is Ephesians 4. Um, start, start of verse 17 through 24, um, we get another glimpse as to, as to the darkness, the, the helplessness, the, the, the bad spot that we are in. Um, It says this, it says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity and the practice of every kind of impurity, with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in in righteousness and purity 
of the truth. And that is that restoration, that reconciling back to what we, what our identity should be um, as the Imago Dei, as image bearers of God, as image bearers of Christ in his righteousness. But, but the way that it describes us prior to that is, is futile, is hostile to God, it is a hard heart, it is ignorant, it is darkened, it is uh, corrupted. Um, that's, that's, who we, that's who we are without Christ. This is where the no hope comes in. Mm -hmm. Because if you are only your behavior, if that is who you are, and this is where, this is, so this goes to perhaps where, and this is something I've said, this is not the first time I've said this, this is something I I actually believe because of my worldview. Um, When you look at something like uh, AA, um, in all of its formats, um, the, the structure of that, because it is, it is not. It does not use inherently biblical terms. It grasps from a biblical worldview the things it needs, but then incorporates um, uh, basically behavioral modification. Uh, it it attaches to a person an identity that they are to live with their entire lives. Right. You will never not be a drunk. You're just a sober drunk. You will never not be a addict. You will just be a clean addict. And and their goal is there because they are afraid of the behavior returning. That they that you must stay in that identity so that you remember and don't let that behavior come back. Right. But but that is not a a Christian idea of identity. Right. A, a renewed identity for the Christian is far more victorious. Far more victorious. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's, there is literally the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help you, guide you, convict you of sin, and to change you and mold you into Christ's likeness. I mean, that's a beautiful, glorious thing. Um, but yes, I, I mean, I, I have heard, I've heard you say that before. I, I don't disagree with it, and and it does cut down into again the issue of identity that we're talking about here. Which is why we don't take, and this is the important, the important aspect of this, because this goes back and forth. This is sure. This is all suit that's coming today, but it's the same idea that we want to do with every figure in history or every every culture that's ever happened in history. There's there has never been a good culture or person. There there always is brokenness in all of those things. Correct. We can't go back and exalt any of them in and of themselves. We can understand that there are aspects to cultures and people that were great. And we can acknowledge that there were aspects to cultures and people that were broken. Yep. But the point is not to celebrate the brokenness. It's to exalt what was good and and to, to harness those aspects correctly. But you don't harness the bad. But to ignore it would also do a disservice to to the context in which we need to live and, and, and function and move. Right. Both are, are the reality. Both are true. So this idea that you are your behavior is 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 too myopic. Yeah. Right? It's it, because you're so much more than your behavior, particularly at any given moment, you're more than your behavior. Right. So to so to so to attach someone to that identity and then to think that that is solely the identity that they must have or will have always. Right. Is also a very a very dangerous thing. Right. So so far the scripture is laid out clearly for us that if this is it for us, if that is our identity, then we would be, I mean, as the kids would say, screwed. Right. Up the creek, without a battle, and I think that creek is made of poo, alligators, poo water. Oh, ew. <laughs> It's like Shawshank Redemption coming out of the tunnel. Oh no! <laughs> so, so we've talked about how deep the issues of identity are for with a biblical framework, but we we've we've kind of been highlighting the we've kind of been highlighting the brokenness, right? But the reality is that when we are um, when we come to a saving knowledge, when we accept the sacrifice, when our eyes are opened by the Holy Spirit and we see clearly our sin 
and we see clearly the grace that God gave to us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross in our place, we receive then a new identity, right? We don't have that broken identity any longer. We are identified then with Christ in his righteousness. I mean, and all of these passages say that, but they haven't been the, the point of what we've been saying. But the idea, even, even there in Ephesians 4, verse 24, it says, And to put on the new self, the one that was created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. And living in light of that identity is far more glorious than to live in any sort of surface-level, broken, sexual identity, or, or any, any gender identifiers, or any, if, if you want to identify, identify yourself by your vocation, or a mental illness, or, a mental or illness, your marital status, or your... All of that fall, pales in comparison to a, a identity according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. And this unpacks why a, a Christian organization would have certain views and even 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 the comparison between the 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 two what you might call dogmas that are present right you have the you have one you know trying to establish their their prescriptive as what must be followed over and against what this other organization has as their prescriptive to be followed but the difference is where are they coming from what is the source of them if one is trying to, for its own for its own standard, acknowledge a biblical construct, to come in and say they cannot acknowledge a biblical construct and function as uh, a biblical organization, is to just say that your dogma is better than theirs. Right. It's 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 an unrealistic place to live in. Right. This is where forgiveness comes into play from last week mm-hmm. because forgiveness, um, forgiveness offers offers up to us right uh, as a person who has committed the offense that needs forgiveness it offers up to us a way to move forward and live that is not simply in the guilt and it offers for the person who offers forgiveness a way to not live in the shame but since we take that out then we have to attach identity to your behavior and you must be known solely as that because there's no forgiveness anyway right I had something wonderful to say, and I completely forgot it. Oh. Good job. Way to go. No, no, no. It it is back now. Um, I have it. Um, But, so, and ironically, right? I mean, not ironically. They do this on purpose. It's that. It's unironic. It is is unironic. But the, the Christian organization that accepts a student with a, with a, I don't know, Scholarship, government funding. No, no, no. Like, oh, no, I, I'm way. trying to. No, was... no, no. Like a, a Christian organization that would right. accept a student that would file this type of lawsuit. Right. Correct. Okay. Actually, is acting fairly consistently with what the Christian knows about identity and behavior. Because even if, even if that person is say even unregenerate, right, or or caught in sin. They still have the understanding <clears throat> that to that you can accept that person into the organization, but just limit the behavior of that person to to God's standards in, in, in that context. And they would allow that student that freedom to, to come. Yep. Because they know they know the depths of the brokenness of the human heart. They know that a, a person um, they know that the identity of of the person as the Imago Dei can, can fully interact with and with, with that type of education, um, in spite of how they would view themselves. And I, I, I think that that's fairly, that's fairly consistent, I think, with what right. we know What about. the school is not saying is that you must, what the school is not doing is attaching their identity to their behavior. The school's saying, identify however you want. I'm not going to determine that. But what I am going to ask you to do is refrain from this behavior. Right. 
it's not dictating their identity because the school would know that their identity is as someone made in the image of God. And even if they, even if you choose to live in sin, you're an image bearer that is setting yourself up against God, but can absolutely find forgiveness and restoration at any time. Yep. That's what the school is saying. In fact, that's what the church says. That's what the church says. You, you, come, you come, sure, come to church. The church is not a place to exclude you. We're not going to exclude you, right? If you want to identify in any particular uh, myriad of the the LGBTQIA plus genre, what you what you need though is to interact with with Jesus. You need an interaction with Him and His people and His Word and His truth. We're not going to determine your identity. We don't gain. We don't have that ability. What we have is the ability to direct you to who gives you identity. What does He say? What does He call you to? Right. I mean, walking alongside someone, walking alongside someone in in sin, even living actively in sin, is to call them to repentance while loving them. It's it's to love them, right? It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is not, uh, it is not the the fear of judgment that leads us to repentance. It's the fear of judgment that can that can awaken us to a reality, but it is God's kindness that you, that draws us into Him. Bing, bang, boom. So in acting in a, in a consistent way with a Christian worldview, these organizations do not exclude. They're not discriminating against anyone and their, cho- their, their, their idea to choose their identity. They're saying this behavior is unacceptable. On, on, our, on our campus, in our organization, because it is contrary to what, what God's word teaches that we accept as, as true. I've I've always found it interesting, like, like you know, like you have the. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but you know, you have like the people that give bakers and whatever a hard time for not making like a pro LGBT cake, but it's like I I never really understood why you would choose to have your cake made by that place anyway. Like you know you know what. You know what I mean? Like it's because you're yeah you're inviting you, you're literally creating the conflict. Right. Like why 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 like I'm not saying that you can't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that why as a student would you place yourself into an organization? Because they didn't make you go there. <laughs> really? <laughs> you chose to go there. You applied. They didn't. They used volition. Yeah. Like in fact, do you, would you assume that if you signed up to go to a Christian university, they may have a standard of Christian conduct? Maybe. You, I, mean, I mean, one would think right i would think even more so than you would think going into a cake shop right that you wouldn't know maybe right but once be once you've right, been informed once you've been informed why would you want to give that let's say you were wholly opposed to that altogether why would you give one dime to that that place well, I, mean, I don't even understand it I've, I've spent my money elsewhere based on based on principle i, I don't know why yeah, other, if i can other avoid can if i can avoid donating to, co- donating to communism I, I i try to avoid it or baby killers or what have you all sorts of things. I mean, we, we choose to avoid spending uh, it, our dollars it, on. It does. It does boggle the mind. It is what you might call a conundrum. Yeah, strange. wrapped in an enigma, covered in a mystery, and deep fried in a conspiracy. Is that from something? That was amazing. Yes, it's from Monsters vs. Aliens. <laughs> amazing. Um, <laughs> I, gotta, I guess I got to watch that now. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to? I think we should go into the unity passage that, that you posted about Galatians. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So this connects, So this is what, what bridges the gap from being a Mago Day to being enemies of God to being in a new identity. That's where this, this particular passage takes us. So Galatians 3.27 in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, he, uh, he uses this to remind the Christians, right, who they are in Christ. And here's what he says. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is not making, um, he is not trying to make make these, these broad statements meaningless, what he's trying to identify is the things that we use to differentiate these things and, and make them our identity has become, uh, they, they lack the bearing 
once you are in Christ, because Christ supersedes them as your identity. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I, I think if anybody has the expertise to deal with that type of issue, it's it's Paul who authored, you know, what was it, Philemon, right? I mean, yes. pa- Paul Paul dove right in there, figuring out issues of of identity, slavery, uh, all sorts of crazy deep divides. Onesimus, am I getting his name? Onesimus, Onesimus. I feel like it's an But I mean, deep those names, right? But, I mean, Paul here in Galatians, these divides that he's talking about, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, these are all, these are all clear and sharp divides that, that we... I, I don't really think that in our current culture we actually have an adequate analogy because even, uh, even these, these issues that are so prevalent in our culture of race, they, they still don't touch, I think, the, the disparity... Um, that Paul that Paul touches on here in these in these different categories, at least not to the same degree. No, no, certainly not. They they would they would not, they you would not be able to adequately compare the divide between Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. Um, now, certainly, maybe in some places or in some respects you could, um, but holistically in our day to day, no, because you're talking about two communities that did not cross over. Right. There was no crossover, right? No connection between the two. Um, when you're talking slave nor free, you're talking about two completely different socioeconomic statuses. They were very much other, right? In a way that is, is different than someone just having less of something than someone else. Right. It's, it's someone else's everything is owned by someone else. Right. Right, it's oil, oil and water. Yeah, particularly in this case, it might not have been your whole personhood, but it was certainly your time and your money and your 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 value. Usually, usually connected specifically to debt, right? Um, male and female; these are these are things that that had particularly, um, particularly in a in a pre-Christian era, there was a complete disregard for value. One of the things the church did was, was was bring a value to women because of the value Christ brought to women that was unheard of in those times. <clears throat> they did not have the same value yep. that Christ bestowed on them as a mago day bearers of the image of God. They, they didn't have the same worth. And so in the church, the, suddenly you had the problem go the other way, right? Suddenly it was like, no, men and women are both are both united in Christ, right? And so you had the problem go the other way. All of a sudden, you had you had the church not knowing how to balance the role God had given to man and to woman, because you had women coming into a, a newfound freedom that right. had never been able to be experienced inside of their cultures, right? And so I, I'm sorry. Dead airtime is horrible for a podcast. <laughs> no, but, but 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 then you get to the part where it says, "For you are all one in Christ Jesus," and that's that's the unifying factor of this new identity, right? I mean, all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, I, I'm just finishing up reading Isaiah, and and when Isaiah talks about about the Redeemer that is to come, the the the, the saving King, right? It talks about salvation from coast to coast. It doesn't talk about just salvation for one particular people group. It talks about salvation for all peoples. And we see that carried through the New Testament with the advent of Jesus and, and through the Amen. teaching of the apostles and into the book of Revelation when, when we're talking about the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb and peoples from all nations and tribes and tongues in God's family. And, and that, is the, that is the unifier for us in our new identity. Yep. There is no partiality. That's here. what the church created, the problem that was created in the church, right? That's why this is verse exists. Because inside the church, you had Jews sit with Gentile. Inside Christ's church, you had slaves with, with freemen. You, had, you, had, you actually had slaves and masters, masters yeah. in the same I was about to say, it's worse than slaves and freedmen. Slaves, slaves and, and in the same congregation, potentially at the fact that the slave could be serving in the church in, mm-hmm. a, de- in a deaconship role where the master was not, mm-hmm. was still learning and growing and maturing. 
which is the opposite of the paradigm that existed inside the culture. You had male men and women serving alongside one another in a way that was not seen or un, was, was just unheard of inside of culture. Yep. Because the church was the place where in Christ we were united so that the full Imago Dei could be seen by the world. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Amazing. And why would anyone want something less than that? Right? You just cheapen it. Why would you, you cheapen just, it? You, yeah, this is uh, beautiful. It's so gorgeous. That's amazing. That God would do such an amazing thing. And so and so that's why when we when we're talking about identity, you know, we talk about it as being such a it is so much deeper than that surface level. And I I don't want to repeat myself, but it, it is just so it 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 changes the core of how you operate. It does. Absolutely. It's a, it is a, it is, it is that worldview level that, that just, and it's funny because when you, when you get to experience it inside of, uh, inside of the, the body of Christ, when you get to experience this type of, type of living, it, it's, it makes the, the way the world undoes it so prevalent. Like you see it so much more clearly when you walk out into the world. Yeah. Um, and, and in so many different ways. And I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm blessed because in many of the ways I, I, I interact with people in a way where I treat them as if they were a part of a community that I understand. And the community I understand is the community of Christ. So I'm able to treat them in different ways. And the way that they then treat me is, is reciprocal because it's what we were made for. Mm -hmm. It's reciprocal and it's potentially even unique Mm. because culture doesn't, because as we can see, this is the whole reason why we're talking about this culture doesn't work like that. Right. Culture. True. Culture segregates itself into likes and interests and surface level identities currently and it, yes currently and, and, it, and it, it used to be better well sure you know, america used to be the melting it used to be called the melting pot right but, <laughs> in a common community right but now but now we have so compartmentalized different aspects of ourselves that we only interact with certain people saying certain things yeah and this goes back to cancel culture and and, and everything else but but that's not how Christians should act, and that's not how Christians should treat other people. Right. And when we get to treat other people like that, like the family, we, we are giving them glimpses of what could be for them. And I, and I think it's enticing. It's enticing when we do that. Yes, and amen. That's, that's, that's really the draw. They will know you are Christians by your love. They will know that you are my, my sheep and my people because you have loved them because right. I have loved you. Yeah. That's that's the idea there. And the other thing I, I think we wanted to touch on this, Joss, is is that Well if you think so, then I think so. Well, maybe, maybe not. But another another interesting thing talking about behavior and identity is that now that our identity is in Christ, right, our behavior doesn't actually always match up to Christ. So our our behavior is should be reforming into Christ likeness reforming yes to the by the power of the holy spirit and through the grace of god's word and the outpouring of good and right preaching and the accountability of god's people all of those things are are helps to reform us to to Christ likeness yep but even in our new identity we still have sinful behavior right that we have to shake off right and so our behavior can't be our identity we god is the one that bestows the identity it's it's not our behavior because you can have you can have a Christian you can have a very sinful Christian right right Corinthians right yeah you can have a very sinful Christian yeah but the grace of God is there the Holy Spirit is there the accountability of the church is there and that's not the way you should stay but it is a reality that Christians sin and that should not be a shocker to anybody no that's we if if you're not sinning you don't need a savior. Uh, but you, we all need a savior because we're all sinning. The difference is, and this is where you change the idea. The difference between a, a Christian understanding of of a drug addiction or or alcoholism that AA doesn't have is we don't see it. At, we don't see you as a drunk, or we see you as a Christian that needs to war against sin yep. and hate sin and bring that sin into the salvific atoning work of Christ on the cross mm-hmm. that it has been buried with with Christ in the grave and what is resurrected is your new identity. Right. It's that, um, 
It's that renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and how we and how we think about those types of issues. Um, yeah. The the last scripture that we have in our notes. This is there's no shortage of scriptures on this particular topic, but at some point you have to end a podcast, <laughs> or at least draw the scripture portion to an end. Um, the the last scripture we have is Romans six six through seven. Romans 6 through 7 says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Hmm. This is the summing up of what we were, we were really just trying to touch on. Right. Um, one of the things that it talks about here that is consistent a consistent imagery throughout the scripture is that sin is a master, right? It is, you are a slave to sin. But what Christ has come is to free you, free you to to being his, no longer sins, but his, that you are in Christ. So that you have died to sin, you now live to Christ. The different thing, the difference between being a slave to sin and a bondservant of Christ is to be a bondservant to Christ is actually to enact what you were, you were made to be, mm-hmm. right? It's not. Some people say, "Oh, well, you're just a slave to Christ now." Being a slave to Christ is actually being what you. It, it's simply the fulfillment of being an image bearer of God, living rightly in accordance with Him. <laughs> right. The problem was we became slaves to sin, so so we forgot our natural position, our 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 created order. <laughs> it, it's actually going back to what we were meant to be. Mm. It's not a negative. Right. It is the correct position. Right. And it, and it, again, flies in the face of, of that concept <clears throat> that's so elevated in our culture of autonomy. You know, even, even the scriptures say we are not our own. We were bought with a price. We would, this body, this life, isn't ours to begin with, no matter so what you think. glorify God in, in your body. Your body. Yep. <laughs> that's, the, that, that's it. That's really the kicker, isn't it? Hmm. So what we don't want to do, right, is attach to someone the identity that, of their behavior. Because that is such a limiting principle. Right. Rather, we would want someone to be, to be joined to Christ... And find their identity in the right worship of him. So this allows me to be much more free than associating somebody simply with their identity. I don't see someone as, I don't know someone as a homosexual as if that's that's all they are. Right? I mean, my gosh, I'm not just a UPS delivery driver. Right. Although that is something that I spend a large portion of my time doing. <laughs> right? You're not just an, You're not just an RN. Although that is something you spend a large portion of your time doing. Right. Those those things are not our identity. Right? You're not just a curator and purveyor of fine tobacco. <laughs> although that is something you enjoy a large, you know, time doing. That's just not it, right? Right. And I'm not saying that all I am is a person who enjoys the fine sipping tequila on occasion. Mm. That's not all I am. Nor is all I am someone who... Um, uh, is is an arrogant jerk all the time. Although, sometimes I am. But that's not my identity. Right. It is a forgetting of our true identity. When Correct. we choose to sin, it is a forgetting of our true identity. Absolutely. That's why God is always calling his people from the very beginning to remember God. Remember God. Remember all that he's done for his people. Remember his sacrifice. Remember, 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 because we forget. And when we forget, we live contrary to our identity. This is why Romans 6.6 6 puts it in the phrase of, of putting that body of sin to death, to be crucified with Christ, right? That your sin uh, is crucified on the cross. Uh, and in other, in, in other passage, he speaks of it specifically. Why do you run back to the dead man? Why do you run back to the dead man and put the dead man's clothes on right. when that has been dead and buried? What the what the Christian what the what a Christian and this is not holistic 
right? What a Christian college should be offering is an education for a person to under be able to better underpack, unpack and understand mm-hmm. that they should run to identity in Christ. That is most certainly the call of the church. Right. To know God and to make him known. Yes. Yes. And we're going to we're not going to do that by living out of of, of a behavior, right? Or, or, or even trying to enact behavior modification, which I believe is sadly what a lot of churches simply try to do, is enact behavior modification. Oof. And then, oh, we're so surprised when that didn't turn out right. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As if it hasn't been tried before. And here's the problem with behavior modification. There's no grace on the other side of behavior modification. There's right. only failure. Right. There's no forgiveness and restoration. This is how it all ties together. Right. Right. Of a behavior modification, when you fail, oh, sorry, well, we'll just start over again. You're going to have to try to modify that behavior better because clearly it didn't work the first time. We'll try a new behavior modification for you. Yeah. That's not how any of this is going to ever work. Self-help don't help. <laughs> so, well, you know why? Because self-help is not focused on the Christ. It's focused on the self. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. How do we do on time here? Oh, man. What are we, we don't at? know. We've just been talking. Just chit-chatting away. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. We have been killing it. It's almost like there's a sixth sense inside of us knowing that, hey, it's about an hour. We should probably wrap up a podcast here. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you exactly wanted to go about this, but I wanted to share just some encouraging, just an encouragement and a thanks, because I know many of you that do listen to this podcast uh, have have supported us um, in, in either sharing or liking um, some of the, the things, that the, the merch that we've produced. And um, there's a bunch of great stories, and I'd love for you to share one or two if you'd like to. Um, just coming out of what we were trying to do to raise awareness and some funding for um, James and Aaron Coates in Canada, that just kind of branched out on us very fast in many yeah. ways uh, to being able to be a, a very a very big encouragement to more and more people. Um, and you've had some really cool interactions around that. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I mean, one of the first things, one of the first problems that we ran into was, um, you know, trying to figure out how to get shirts into Canada. (laughs) It turns out governments just want your money. They are leeches. Leeches. Um, Yeah, but I mean, and it it turns out shipping into Canada is ridiculously expensive. Even if you wanted to use a great company like the United Parcel Service, who, uh, who does have very competitive rates when shipping internationally. Right. And you know what? Honestly, it wasn't really UPS's fault. It was the taxes and dues paid on getting something over the border that really was like the killer killer. Because I'm sure, now, I, to be fair, this is what Canada Canada wanted us, wanted money from us. You know, Canada wanted money. Right. Right. And I'm sure Canada shipping into America, America wants money. I'm not saying that's probably not yeah, absolutely right. true. But it, it is a barrier. Um, and, you know, we had we had several people reach out to us and, and try to say how can we, we need this how can we get it um and i i had the opportunity to have a phone call um the saturday before easter with um a member at a oh man harvest harvest bible well church done. with um aaron rock as the pastor there um and she she just got to share with me uh just some some crazy stuff that's going on in that church uh, i can put a link in the show notes they, they have a page on their website just chronicling some of the struggles and the persecutions that have been going on there pastors and, and elders there are being fined hundreds of thousands of dollars um for for holding church services it's just it's it it is just it is insane and just to be clear this is this is not this is not uh well if they would just follow the rules uh this is targeted suppression of the gospel that's what this is this is nothing else will face these types of rules except you right you church people can't do your church stuff but everything else can do what it does but not you right right that's what that's what they're facing in a very real way yeah and i mean this 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 church this church has had nails poured over on its on its parking lots i mean just vandalism and 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 truly heinous acts and I, I i got to talk with her and, and she shared some stuff with me and it was absolutely mind-boggling that i was on the phone with someone from canada facing literal actual persecution uh there as well um because you made a t-shirt we, all because we, we made it we made a t-shirt we stepped out and we made a t-shirt um and people all over the country and and, and into canada have these shirts and uh we're, we're working on getting uh shirts into canada we're, we're trying to find local printers there we're working on it hopefully we should have some answers 
Hopefully, church. maybe even by the time this podcast drops. Yeah, the, um, the, the church, it turns out the church is everywhere, and the church has always been good at being very, um, well, wise as serpents. Yeah. And uh, gentle as doves. Yeah, resourceful. And and I, I, I got the chance to pray with them, that they were having some people over, we, we prayed. Uh, it was just mind-boggling things coming from just this little carpe fide thing that we're doing. Um, really humbling. We got to, we got, we've had a couple chats with... Uh, with Aaron and um, been able to kind of keep tabs on on the protests and stuff that they're doing up there. It's it's just absolutely insane that this type of thing can be an encouragement to people so far away and in such a crazy spot. It, it's it, it really very very humbling. So we're very we're very just thankful for for your support for for being able to have access to this resource uh, that it's that it seems to actually be. Uh, being helpful we're we're thankful for that and so that, that you would listen uh that you guys would support us by liking and sharing different things and and by interacting with even some of the shirts that we have um we're, we're thankful and and we appreciate what you guys are doing as well um you have encouraged us greatly uh and and we're just we're just two guys and uh and and we don't have we don't have lofty aspirations but we want to be effective for the gospel right. and the encouragement we have received um has been showing us that 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 is that is where we're heading so we're very thankful for that uh, by god's grace for certain yeah absolutely i couldn't think of a better way to end a podcast there no that sounds great yep uh so as you're going about this week don't forget to seize, seize the, the faith, faith.